Not too loud at all. Okay. Um, so I just, I just, my, the way that I roll into this is I press the recording button and we just go. Okay. Uh, and then I like break in with a little like welcome spiel after about the first couple minutes. And then we talk for like another 50 minutes after that. That's, that's the format. The, so it's um, like a cold open. Uh, cold, cold open okay. with hot topics. Okay. <laughs> yours, yours being the, the promo initially because you also have a podcast. Yeah. 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 Are you asking me what it is? I don't know. I'm just trying to lead you into talking about it. Okay, I didn't know we I didn't know we were recording it. But so it's uh, it's called Tipping the Scales, which I thought was very clever because of uh, me and my ex co-host, but he still might be my co-host later. That's right. Uh, once he be, gets through the once he gets through new baby stuff. Yeah, once he gets through new baby stuff, <laughs> I don't think it ends, does it? Like it, it's like 18 years of like caring for a child, right? Let me tell you something, man. <laughs> I just finished borrowing my mother-in-law's vehicle for the past week because my car was in the shop. Okay. Right? Mind yeah. you, I'm not even her biological kid, and yeah. she's still got a parent for me. So 18's not where it ends. <laughs> this is coming from somebody that has too many 10-year-olds running around the face of this earth, all right? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> well, well, what I was saying was, like, you're obligated at least for 18 <laughs> years after that. It's like, I guess, gravy yeah. like, for, for your kids. Or it's more expensive. It just depends on how bad your kids are, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. But, yeah, we just talk, we, like, we argue about random stuff. Sometimes we talk about it if it's, like, too much. Like, if it's a topic that neither one of us wanted to pick a side on, uh -huh. uh, we might just kind of agree and discuss. Um, recently, it's been more of a discussion just because I haven't had – only attorneys on um and i think they kind of feel like the deck stack against them if i i start arguing with them <laughs> <laughs> so. was that oh, so was that like the initial idea for the podcast was to be focused like on lawyer talk and like having conversations between lawyers or were you like always going to open it up to a wider array of folks um well so the main idea was for it to always be just kind of like dumb uh, uh <laughs> arguments because so my old co-host uh your uh, old former future co-host yeah he, it's possible that he comes back i'm not <laughs> discounting it but uh but my old co-host and i would like have like hour two hour three hour conversations um just arguing like nonsense mm -hmm. and so i was like we should just do a podcast about this because we're already like spending all this time talking about it yeah we might as well have a podcast and so it was always like <laughs> and that's how every podcast starts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. And, and so uh it was kind of just like if we're already doing this like i think this is entertaining you think it's entertaining mm -hmm. we might as well Bef before we go further is this like a clean no, you cuss as much as you want. <laughs> okay, all right. So one of the arguments that I can remember us having like a conversation of on the phone that we got both of our significant others involved in <laughs> was whether sex is fun. Like, whether no, it it's is... it's work. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. How old are you now, Michael? <laughs> well, okay, so I'm 27. I'm about to Yeah, be it'll be work in three more years. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> well and so like we were like is it fun is it not fun and i was like i don't know if fun is the right word to describe it i think it's more of like something that you do with someone that you love it doesn't i mean it can be fun but i don't know if that's how to describe it he's like no it is fun and then his 
his uh, significant other, who was his girlfriend, now yeah. wife, uh, she was like, no, I think I'd agree with Michael. I think it's like something you do. It can be fun, but it's not. <laughs> but with you, not usually, honey. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, well, and I think I made that joke as I put it there. <laughs> and, of course, Savannah was like, it is fun. And I was like, yes. <laughs> and so it was like. Who's the best boyfriend on this phone call? <laughs> yeah. But, and so then we, it like broke down into if everything can be described fun, then uh-huh. is anything fun? And it was just like two hours of like this philosophical conversation that originated with sex. So, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's phenomenal, man. All right. So, so you guys, you're right now you run about 40 minutes to an hour, right? Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what are, well, hell we'll get into some of that stuff in a little bit, you know, let me just kick over here and uh, do what I'm supposed to do, which is an intro for episode 48 of the WTF Carbondale podcast, where we talk to interesting people about their interesting lives, and we tie it all together with this little old place we call home, Carbondale, Illinois. And for episode 48, I have a wonderful human being as my guest, Mr. Michael Lennox. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, everyone. <laughs> Who is just finished talking about his podcast called Tipping the Scales. That can be found at Really, like, on Patreon or Apple Podcasts. <laughs> like, just a couple of places right now. I mean, basically, like, I don't really want to... It's, like, a little bit of work. It's not a lot of work, <laughs> but it is, like, a little bit of work to, like, go through the little vetting process. Where, so, like, if they make Apple, sure... so if you have Apple Podcasts, or you can Patreon. listen to me. <laughs> you can what? go. It's free on Patreon. You can. Oh, okay. You can give us money if you really <laughs> want to. But it is free on Patreon. Ah, we, you're already we, lawyers. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'd love to not dip into our own resources, and we don't get paid as much as you think we do. <laughs> so the so the big question that all this stuff starts off, and I'm sure we will get back to the podcast at some point in time. But my my core question that underpins the entire series of interviews that I will do until the end of time or until I die or whatever else, whichever one comes first. Uh, <laughs> I'm still up in the air on that one at this point in time with the world okay. that we live in. Um, <laughs> is how did you come to be in Carbondale? All right. So I actually uh, came to be in Carbondale because of my girlfriend, mainly, uh, who is still my girlfriend now. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, about... You know, I don't want to give a a time frame because people might get mad at me for her still being my girlfriend now. Um, (laughs) But a while ago, uh, we we were like going to a Kaskaskia College, a junior college in Centralia Uh uh, together. Uh, Then we got together. And then um, from there, like I was doing something with like architecture, like computer-aided drafting kind of stuff. Uh And then I took like a logic course and I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer now. Uh, (laughs) And so then she was like, there's a pre-law program at Carbondale. And so then I applied with her. Uh, We basically, like we didn't technically live together like Uh the first year, but I was basically living in her apartment the first year, even though I had my own place. Uh, And then we moved in together and uh, stayed. She went to school for theater initially, which we're in a theater right now for lighting. <laughs> uh, and uh, I went to school for pre-law clearly. And then after that, she switched her major to uh, uh, criminology and criminal justice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's interested in like 
sentencing disparities and you know how like the coke to uh crack mm-hmm. disparity is like so ridiculous um it's weird that she's dating a cop now then <laughs> i am not a cop <laughs> I, I am not a <laughs> All right. I, I got it in i got it in where i need to get it in my joke is done we're over we're moving on of course of course <laughs> yeah what's funny is so my dad is a retired police officer uh, <laughs> yeah 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 but I am not a cop, nor do I ever want to be a cop. <laughs> not to say that it's like a terrible thing, but like I'm sure it's tough, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. Uh, I'm sure you like become desensitized to things, mm-hmm. which leads to you not caring a lot, which leads to that being seen, which leads to people scrutinizing you more, <laughs> which leads to you being on a video somewhere and losing your job yeah so and i mean there are certainly people that get into it for the wrong reasons as well and i would not want to feel like i need to defend those people what what is what is it like kind of being in this world that you're in now i mean between both you and uh savannah and having just this broad view of the system as a whole and being able to both work within it while scrutinizing it, while trying to move it forward, like all in tandem, like does it feel like a lot sometimes? Yeah, I mean, I think especially towards like the beginning of uh, me working where I work now, uh, there <laughs> there was like there there were maybe like one or two times where I was like, is this person like? Do I feel like this person did this? crime um but i also i mean as attorneys and anyone who's an attorney who had or who is friends with an attorney or who has an attorney in their family knows you have to zealously advocate for your client yeah and so i mean at the end of the day what's supposed to happen is and i'm not saying that this always happens and i'm sure that it does not in fact but what's supposed (laughs) to happen is is justice is served Uh by both attorneys moving the ball as hard as they can forward Mm -hmm. and the judge being like, this is the right thing in this case. Uh, So ultimately, I mean, as long as the case has merit, you have to make the argument for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure uh, you made the joke because I'm a prosecutor. I'm sure. And and the might as well get that out of the bed out now. But uh, I'm sure there are defense attorneys that also at least start to struggle with this. Maybe they can move past it too, but start to struggle with this because I know that there are cases that I've handled where I'm like, it's like either like a sexual assault mm-hmm. or like a sexual, a sexual assault with a child, a murder where mm-hmm. I have to look at the person like dying on video mm-hmm. where I'm like, the defendant should not be anywhere near any person. Like, they need to be under the jail. Yeah. Uh, And I don't know. I mean, I I imagine how a defense attorney would get past that is, like, they still have rights, which is is certainly true. I'm not saying to get uh, get rid of those, but 
That's kind of the... <laughs> yeah, thank you for not advocating for getting rid of <laughs> yeah, rights. Get rid of all of the rights. <laughs> you heard it here first. No rights, only prison. Uh, <laughs> no. So I mean, welcome to America. That's our new slogan, only prison. <laughs> I, I think our new slogan is judge, jury, and executioner Ooh, <laughs> on the streets. I think that's, that's... <laughs> fucking tough, man. I You're not I... wrong, though, man. And here, like, it's, it's wild to even, like, here... The issue has been for so long that we haven't been able to have casual conversations about this stuff, mm. right? It's only in the past several years that really, like, the the casual conversation around, like, the injustice of the system's application of street justice, mm. right? And, yeah. and street justice is not always justice, right? That um, And it's not, again, it's not always individual to individual. It is often a state individual interaction mm-hmm. that, that sees that happen. And that like, you know, really again, up until you know, maybe in the past 10 years or so that like, we've been almost what feels like allowed to, as a society, like talk about it, frankly, which I think has led to a much greater, like butting of heads of the force that is the state and the one that is, you know, the people. Yeah. And I think, um, I think what's interesting is, to me at least, as a, a black man, mm-hmm. uh, I noticed a lot more outrage from people that would make excuses for the police um, in these police brutality cases. And again, my dad's a cop, so don't come for me because <laughs> <laughs> I'll slap you down. Yeah. <laughs> so, but like, I think. Uh, like the people that were making excuses for cops in these scenarios or excuses for people that were killing like unarmed black men. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, uh, uh, the, whatever his name is, I'm trying to think of the guy that shot the kid in Florida. I can't even remember. Oh, um, Trayvon Martin and George Zimmerman, George Zimmerman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I remember Trayvon Martin. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Sorry. The the name of the scumbag. Yeah. But I mean, I guess he wasn't a cop. He was like, just a, a security vigilante. guard, or, or I'm sorry, not even not even a security guard. He was like a neighborhood watchman yeah. or some shit like that. But like, once the knee on the neck happened, uh, there was just absolutely no excuse for that. Yeah. It wasn't a counterfeit bill. You couldn't say that mm-hmm. he didn't break any laws, and you like watched him like plead for his mother and a whole bunch of other things for eight minutes. Mm -hmm. So like people who had always given excuses for police officers and weren't convinced that it had some deep seated racism involved with Mm it. um, They had to like, there was a reckoning either you're a racist and you're perfectly fine with black people dying or you're not a racist, and now you have to come to terms with the fact that police aren't always good, yeah. and that's just it. So how I I don't want to get off in the weeds on on the prosecutorial stuff, just because I, I think that's you know, that's that's work for you, and we don't need to go through that right <laughs> <laughs> too too heavily. Um, where where am I trying to softly steer away, but into something with this? Um, you know, just I mean. Did, these things I would imagine have some sort of implication in decisions that you make from, from your desk. Like they have to, like you have to take into account the entirety of a a interaction that led to a charge 
prior to saying, I am going to move forward with this case and then defend it vigorously as a, a lawyer. Yes. And I think, I think that's um, really the purpose for any type of like racial diversity, really any kind of diversity in like any job Mm -hmm. is you want to have a wide array of viewpoints on something Mm -hmm. so that you're not just going at it from one way. Mm -hmm. Um, So that does come into consideration. Usually what it results in for me is did did the lower, did the, uh, the, the state at the lower court uh, prove this or, Mm -hmm. or, or does it look like they gave enough evidence for this and did this person, I mean, get convicted for it? So, I mean, at the end of the day, don't commit crimes. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, just don't do it. And if you get caught, I mean, certainly put up a fight. I like, but also shut you. up. <laughs> like, just <laughs> use use the amendment that you're supposed to do to not incriminate yourself. Yeah, yeah. Don't like roll over, push back. But like, you also know if you committed a crime, like, you committed the crime. Like, like, yeah. like. Yeah. It would be in a perfect world, you commit the crime. You're just like, like the people like playing basketball. They commit the foul and they like raise their hand. Like you commit the crime in a perfect world. You're like, yeah, I, I, I did sell drugs to kids, and yeah. then you go to prison, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, that doesn't happen, and people want to lie. <laughs> is that is that part of the like when when you do when you do commit crime? Is is it? Is the way out once you're within the court system more on the burden of proof to the state and and the flaws inherent in the process that works you up to and through the conviction process? Or is it people's ability to conceal and hide and lie? Um, like, Or is it like a balance between the two that kind of gets people out of, uh, you know, a... a, a charged and and convicted situation when um you know there's there's like a clear commission of of something so um in a vacuum (laughs) which is all we're talking about here (laughs) well because i i'm positive that there are always biases i mean we're human so there are going to be biases but in like a vacuum where this is all happening on paper it's supposed to be much harder for the state to convict any person Uh because they have to build all of the case from the ground up, right? Mm-hmm. And so that means that they need evidence. If the person, I mean, people have a right to a jury trial. So if the person wants that jury trial, they have to prove all of the evidence beyond a reasonable doubt to mm-hmm. 12 people. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least in Illinois, it's 12 people. Yeah. Juries are different across the states. But so that's supposed to be very difficult. And really, all the defense has to do is poke at least one hole in that theory <laughs> and i mean it can fall through so that that's another good question right because i'm i'm you know i'm when it comes to uh you know court proceedings i'm you know illiterate as most people in this country are until they actually have to engage in the court system right mm-hmm. i mean it's our legal literacy in this country with is consequential as the law is in this country to people's lives uh you know it's it's problematic so like in in the state of illinois it has to be unanimous consent of a jury for conviction or how does and it's not in other states or how does how does that work well so i was talking about the numbers it's not always 
exactly 12. Okay. Um, from my understanding, from my memory at least, mm-hmm. because I'm not trial level. So yeah, yeah. it's not like I'm seeing this all the time. But <laughs> uh, but from my understanding, it's not always 12 across the states. Mm-hmm. Um, but also from my understanding, it is a unanimous kind of if anyone, if any one person is like, no, then Again, pretty sure. I don't want to say that's the yeah, case because yeah, I don't yeah. work there. Uh, but this is not sure. legal advice. No. Yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> none of this is legal advice. But, In fact, but, this is the opposite of legal advice. Yeah, so. yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure it has to be unanimous. So all 12 people have to believe that. And I'm sure uh, there's some kind of working on each other, you know, mm-hmm. if if only one person is doing it. I'm sure there's some argument back and forth. But, yeah, it has to be. All 12. <laughs> okay. All right. Got it. I, I mean, that's just, you know, then that makes sense, right? Like, it has to be very clear to a lot of people through a lot of lenses, right? Because you yeah. talk about, you know, you mentioned that, you know, biases are not all the same and that, you know, none of this operates in a vacuum. So it's like, you know, it somebody's got to be there to stand up and be like, I really think that there's something wrong here. If, Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, where I work, uh, I mean, we're kind of reviewing all of this. So <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I mean, that's why we can have objections and that's why defense attorneys, if they think anything's wrong, then they should object mm-hmm. so that it can be preserved for the next, uh, round of things. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. There should be someone that says something's wrong. Uh, I'm not, again, I'm not tri-level, so I haven't really seen anything (laughs) be wrong, uh, just from my standpoint. The, uh, how, how was your time in law school? Like, what, what, what is all of that shit like, man? Oh, oh man. Okay, so I like to think that I'm a, a, pretty uh mentally fortified person uh-huh. <laughs> i don't like to believe that i'm easily broken you know uh-huh. Uh-huh. i might be you try but, like, <laughs> but but i like to believe that i'm not easily like mentally broken but there were certainly times in law school that it was like what am i doing yeah. because it's especially the first year it's kind of like almost like remaking you mm-hmm. um Especially, like, for me at least, I was in pre-law, so I was already kind of reviewing cases, but what you're doing in pre-law is not what you're doing in law school. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but anyone else, it's, well, anyone else other than, um, I can't remember what it's called, but there's another, like, law, Jason, that's not, like, criminal law, uh, uh-huh. or not, like, criminology, Um but like this is the para, it's not the paralegal paralegal thing. that's yeah, what it is that's yeah. what i was thinking but yeah if you're in those two things it kind of it prepares you all right uh-huh. uh if you're in anything else man the learning curve on that is insane mm-hmm. what you're required to find um it's going to be difficult for the first year if anyone's out there thinking about law school do it it's fun (laughs) i mean after the fact when Uh you've accomplished it all it's fun but definitely while i was in it i was doing so many things just because i was like i don't know if i'm smart enough to be the top 10 of this class so (laughs) i have to show that i can multitask while Uh i'm doing all this and that did not help i'm sure there were people that had 
better times doing less, but it's still bad. <laughs> There's still a curve in law school. And I don't know. So have you ever been graded like on a curve? I don't think so. Okay. But I don't know. Because so, I didn't really pay attention to how much I got graded in school. Man, I was a terrible student. <laughs> Not going to lie. So was I. I just kind of like could put it together on a test, honestly. Uh -huh, but yeah. but uh, yeah, no, it's on a curve. Um, so the way that works is there can only be a certain number of high grades. Uh, -huh. uh So there can only be, I mean, I'm pretty sure there can only be one person, maybe two, that can get a 4.0 in the class. And then it like goes down in like a bell curve. Oh, fashion. so you're li you're literally just put up against your peers that yes. happen to be in that class. Yeah. So what? you have to be smarter than everyone else. Hold on. So law school is literally a competition. Oh yeah, every class. Yeah, yeah. Holy well, not shit. every class. There are pass fail classes, but almost every class. So like is it is it really imperative that you like can you fail out by just being like the the very last person? In, like, a class full of, like, very adept people or something? I think it depends okay. on whether the teacher is willing to give people, like, purely failing grades. Uh -huh. Because I think the way the curve works, if they put less people on top, uh -huh. they can put, like, less people on the bottom in that uh -huh. failing category. And so they can just be, like, very low in the class but not failing. So are you also able to just really coast through law school if you find nope, okay. I'm no, just, no. I'm just I'm trying to find I'm trying to find a way in and trying to find a way out here, seeing where the hell <laughs> you are not allowed to cut like <clears throat> so I was used to not doing any like reading or homework really mm -hmm. and then just getting it covered on the test. If like if the homework grade was like a big deal, you know I'd do it. But that is not how it works in law school. Mm -hmm. And I mean there's not a lot of homework. Uh, really, like, by not a lot of homework, I mean not a lot of graded homework. Yeah. There is so much reading, uh, and it's all, like, very dense. Yeah. So, like, a page, two pages, you'd think a regular book that is max five minutes of two pages yeah. is, like, max five minutes if you're really working on it, and that is not the case. It's, like, five minutes a page, yeah. and you might have not gotten everything you needed to yep. get from that. Yep. Um, and so it ends up being like one class they have, there's like a structure where basically I think the American Bar Association or whatever it is, um, or whatever it is, <laughs> that I, big important organization yeah. that oversees all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever they are. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure they like recommend like three hours to every one credit hour, like of, um, preparation so if you have a three credit hour course you're supposed to be taking nine hours that week and so if you're taking what 15 hours that means 45 hours of, of preparation yeah and i certainly didn't do that um uh there's another thing that's also like scary for law school and it's called the socratic method uh, -huh. uh and the way that works uh, I don't know if I haven't really seen Legally Blonde, but I know what happens in there. Have you seen my, Legally Blonde? My, so my degree is in communication with a focus on rhetoric. Okay. So, so you, you are aware of what this is. Yeah. Okay. Don't so, ask me to describe it right now to you firsthand, 
but understand that as you start talking to it, I'll pick up on where our conversation is going. Okay. (laughs) So for, I guess your listeners, then if they don't know, it's basically like, you can just get called out. Oh, like you can just get called out in the middle of class and you're expected to present the information that you were asked. Uh It's not like you're volunteering this information. Um, There are certainly some teachers that will be like, you can volunteer the information, but for the most part, uh, you're on call and a teacher might decide to ask you a question uh, or they might be one of the teachers that are like, you're it for the day. So all of the readings, you're explaining them all to the rest of the class. Uh, And I mean, sometimes the teacher says your participation is attached to this. Sometimes they say if you sign the attendance sheet, uh, you are basically uh, contracting that you've read this the the reading and if you didn't read it i'm going to go to the administration and and report you or i'm going to take away two of your absence or something like that so there's always like if they want you to read you better read (laughs) but i mean there there were certainly some classes that didn't force us to be on that Socratic method. And those were the last readings that I had on my my day. That's reasonable. So the, is then the bar exam to like get into law school. It like, is, is that more of a technical test or is it more of like an ethics test? Okay. So I'm going to correct you just really quick. Just yeah. because. <laughs> so it's. it's no, the bar exam is after. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Go so, ahead. I mean, it is technically an exam that bars you from getting into law school if you don't get a good score, uh-huh. but it's called the LSAT. There we go. Thank um, you. And it is like purely logic based. Uh-huh. Um, they like purposefully uh, put like big words and like dense material in the test so that it's like harder to read. Um, but it's basically like really more of a time test than anything, Mm -hmm. because I I would think anyone can get to the conclusion they need to get to Mm -hmm. given the amount of time, like given they were given an unlimited amount of time, Yeah, but it's like 35 minutes per second, or at least it was until COVID happened. And then it like switched around, Mm -hmm. but it's like 35 minutes per section, like, 26 to 30 questions somewhere in there um some of them are like based on like a one to two page reading that you well one to one and a half page reading that you have to do like six or seven questions on some of them are like a couple sentences to a paragraph that you have a question on and some of them like there's a section called logic games which Mm -hmm. is basically what you would do if you have like a logic game on your phone or anything like Mm -hmm. that where it's just like p and b are before c but Mm -hmm. after e and you have to do all that and yeah i think there is a bit of a debate (laughs) on the lsat Uh and whether it's useful um I don't think it was very useful. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I think it's theater, honestly, mm-hmm. um, because you're like learning this information in law school. There's not, there isn't necessarily like a requirement to understand logic. 
mm-hmm. uh, because there were some very illogical people in my class, <laughs> and they passed the bar. So it's like, at the end of the day, what you're really learning from law school is how to research things mm-hmm. and maybe like while someone's talking to you or while you're reading something, what the issues are in there. Nothing more, honestly. So essentially how to do, you know, how to read and then how to manage the stuff in real time when you're pressed for it. Yes, and I'm sure you're going to go to the bar exam, so I might as well. Oh shit! I mean, I, I had, I, I don't really know where I'm going, man. I didn't expect <laughs> to get, the, I didn't expect to like go this deep into talking about lawyer stuff, but I'm just super interested now. And you have a really good, like, you do a really good job of explaining it uh, in a very oh, approachable well, manner. So, <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. But uh, so the bar exam, same issue. A lot of people, including myself, uh, <laughs> <laughs> have a problem with the bar exam because they don't. There, it's not really determinative of how you're going to do in the legal profession mm-hmm. um, because it's requiring you to stuff as much information as you can remember in mm-hmm. your brain to, I guess, just throw it up all over the computer. Really, you're not probably going to use a, a, a piece of paper for this unless mm-hmm. you hate yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... It's asking you to memorize a whole bunch of information. I guarantee you, if you go to an experienced attorney Mm -hmm. um, and you ask them something outside of their field, they're not going to be able to tell you what it is. Because you're you're not really remembering this stuff. Um, I don't remember half of the stuff that I learned. Um, I just had to learn it because I had to learn it. If the bar exam was more focused on research, Somehow, I don't know how they would do that. So I am, I am critiquing it without having a solution. But uh, if it was more focused on research and like an open universe kind of, here's a problem, give me an answer to it, and then based on that answer, whether it's satisfactory or not, mm-hmm. uh, I think that would be a better exam to see how you'd be as an attorney mm-hmm. than strictly memorization honestly is there is there not really is there not really like a a standards that comes to the ability to to structure an argument and and be persuasive and do all the performative aspects of lawyering that like we've come to know as lawyers through watching movies and shit like is is that not as much of the learning process as just memorize read regurgitate stuff is so there is there is uh, an argument structure, and you're supposed to um, learn that like one L year. I object. Right. <laughs> I got it out of the way. I'm done. I'm done. It's off my shoulder now. <laughs> well, thank you. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sustained. Uh, <laughs> but, but so there is like an argument structure, and it's there are multiple terms IRAC, IREAC, CREAC, CRAC. They're all, it's like, Issue, rule, explanation, analysis, conclusion. There are different, sometimes it's like conclusion, conclusion. Sometimes there's no explanation. It's all the same thing. Uh, I act, I react, then I crack. Oh no, I'm an egg. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out I also roll. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, so like at the end of the day, you're supposed to learn that and the main purpose of it mm-hmm. isn't 
really that you have to do that in your legal profession. It's just for ease of reading, for the judge, for the professor. Um, so, I mean, it's so they can spend less time mm-hmm. on whatever it is. Ultimately, if you didn't organize the it the way that they force you to organize it, mm-hmm. They could still get that information, and I can tell you as a practicing attorney, not every attorney organizes it in oh, the no. way they're supposed to, and they <laughs> learned from law school. So, Why and, Why would somebody do that to themselves? That just seems like that makes it more difficult for them to win a case, but is it like a balance of like time versus attention here then, or what's that? Well, so maybe they just didn't like learn it properly. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that could be one thing. And it's just how they live their career now. Well, and it could be like how you adjust things. Mm-hmm. Like I know in law school, we were taught that we needed to like provide like a statement of the facts mm-hmm. explaining the case. And I know that where I work now, you can forego that statement. If you think that the opposing side gave a, a generally good, uh, explanation of the facts so that's like already one thing that i'm not i'm not giving facts i certainly give some facts but like mm-hmm. not in the placement that i was supposed to put it in law school so it is different um and i think that's now siu i think does a pretty good job with this like giving practical experience mm-hmm. but i think there is still a difference between academic lawyerly stuff and lawyerly stuff like citations and i guess if you're thinking about law school if you're in law school you know that citations are like a big deal they force you to do it in a certain format and Mm -hmm. all this stuff with blue book but (laughs) in like real life they're like and by real life i mean the working professional world yeah uh your bosses are just kind of like yeah, I mean, as long as the judge gets it, <laughs> as long as they understand where to go, it should be fine. Yeah. There are certainly some judges that are like anal about this, but I haven't met one. Yeah. So Probably because they're not trying to mess around any more than they have to with stuff, too. Yeah. I mean, I also can't imagine what the burden on the court system is like. I, like before, bad enough. Now, holy shit. Yeah, I don't. Um I don't know what's going to happen. I'm I'm foreseeing, uh, and I told my girlfriend Savannah this, uh, when all of like these courts shutting down or postponing cases happened, um, I was foreseeing that there might be like a speedy trial argument mm-hmm. that starts like becoming very abundant mm-hmm. um, because you have a right to a speedy trial yeah. <laughs> and all of this COVID stuff, an anomaly, but all of this COVID stuff doesn't change the constitution i mean yeah and so i think there might be something in that and i haven't really had to do a speedy trial uh case yet i'm Mm -hmm. I'm working on one right now but it's not in the same way in the same vein but i think there is something in like maybe the illinois constitution or like a statute that provides for special circumstances Mm -hmm. and so i think that's what's happening right now but I would not be surprised if after COVID's done, we saw in the United States Supreme Court a mm-hmm. speedy trial uh, issue. And honestly, <laughs> the Supreme Court will not only be deciding whether or not uh, 
COVID can postpone uh, the right to a speedy trial or not, um, they'll also be deciding essentially whether to release millions of, of uh, potentially criminals, I mean, alleged criminals, Yeah. Uh, just releasing them because if your speedy trial isn't met, I'm almost positive you're just let out. Yeah. So. That's, man, there's so much going on with this court system, man. Yeah. I mean, and just ima- you know, imagine a court system in which, you know, all the petty offense type stuff that really doesn't, you know, harm or, or threaten society, right, that all of a sudden, you know, now we're we're so out of whack on that that the things that actually do harm and threaten individuals within a society uh, are just brushed by the wayside. Yeah, and um, so I think when you say things like that, I think what, I mean, at least what I'm imagining is yeah. like, Please tell me what you're imagining. <laughs> well, what I'm imagining is like smoking weed uh-huh. or, yeah, or like possessing yeah. weed or something yeah. like that. Absolutely. That's not a big deal. I think there's, I mean, luckily, Illinois recreational marijuana, mm-hmm. thank God, because like I've been saying for years that that would be like a great source of income. Yeah. <laughs> for Illinois. Well, and it's in and, and now we're at, we're at even I mean the, the there there's a there's a bill that was just introduced. Maybe it's this week, maybe it was last week, maybe it's coming in next week. It's it's sometime in 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 near the point in time that we are living and talking in right now. Where now we're not just talking about the legalization of recreational cannabis through blah blah blah, blah whatever else, but just like completely legalizing possession of cannabis and none of this bullshit about how you got to carry it around and how you got to treat it and whatever else, and just like let it go, man. <laughs> that would be interesting. That's where we're headed, or at that least that's the conversation where we're headed to. Whether or not it gets the votes is the next question, but you know we're moving in a pretty progressive way, in a pretty like, you know conceptually equitable way understanding the disparities of the war on drugs thus far yeah i think that'll be interesting i'm not sure how people will react to that because i personally believe that's a good idea Mm -hmm. um but that might also reduce income for i mean police Mm -hmm. stations counties in general because they won't be able to just be ticketing people yeah but at the same time what a bunch of bullshit that enforcement of the law is seen as a fucking standard of revenue for the state yeah Yeah. right that's that is sickening yeah right that is that is a key component to the concept of the prison industrial complex that's the industry part of the prison industrial complex yes if you want to get into this Please yeah, be my guest because I I I am a proponent for like a percentage based fine system. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, because like if you're rich and you get a hundred dollar speeding ticket, you who never, cares? Yeah, yeah. It was never a crime to begin with. And if you're poor and you get a hundred dollar speeding ticket, you might not be able to eat for a week yeah. or a month. Like you, like that's. So I think percentage uh, based fine system. Good idea. Uh, I think, really, I think there are a lot of financial barriers that we have. Mm-hmm. But just in general, uh, <laughs> I'm not like a huge proponent for capitalism. <laughs> 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 I'm just gonna be real with you. Like, just, it's not. Listen, man. We've we've lived in a we, our age people, anybody that's 
you know, 40 and under, has come of age in a system where every shit into the capitalist stick, we're the ones stuck with. Yep. Right? Yep. Like, even, even you, who is a, some, we'll say somewhat accomplished, <laughs> relatively young, capable, intelligent... Well, lawyer, <laughs> keep going, please. Who is? Oh, I'm, I'm not done yet. <laughs> who has made decisions like not having kids, which would cause you financial stress and other things around that? I'm sure still don't find it easy to navigate uh, the intricacies of our financial system, even though you should, you know, presumably be one of the people that's in one of the better financial situations of our generation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I personally just, I hate billionaires. That's the number one. Yeah, yeah, I, a, I hate billionaires, kind of hate millionaires, but, like, I can't really hate them because some of them are, like, artists. Uh, but, <laughs> like, but, like, I don't like that schools are being run like businesses right now. No. I think no. that that is absolutely terrible. There was this, um, I don't know, do you have Netflix? Yes. So, have you seen the Varsity Blues documentary? Yet? No, I've not. But it did. Didn't that like just come out? It did, okay, and yeah. I saw it immediately. <laughs> good. Very good. Very good. Very good. But it's just like the idea of these institutions that are supposed to be built to teach people things, mm -hmm. operating just strictly on like income based things, yeah. uh, and and being. I mean, essentially bribed to let people into their school. And the fact that, I mean, I'm just so insulted at the fact that, like, my parents, not to say that they did, but mm -hmm. my parents could easily work through school mm -hmm. and pay off their schooling. Just you Did you just call your parents lazy? Is that what no, I just heard? I'm not not going to say that they worked. No. <laughs> not at all. But, like... <laughs> They could have easily worked yeah. their way through school and paid it off. Yeah. And if you work your way through school right now, minimum wage, assuming. Yeah. Um, what is that? Like a 20th of your end bill? Yeah. Maybe, maybe a 15th. Like you still owe so much money. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why this stuff isn't being forgiven. Um, and I think that's. Part of the draw in of like public interest stuff mm -hmm. is this loan forgiveness possibility, but it's like ten years. But there, are, there are, uh, it's it's what I don't get, man. There there are so many things because we have let capitalism run a freaking muck, right? Like I'm and, and I describe myself to folks as a transactionalist, right? Like I am interested in the exchange between individuals that creates economy that creates commerce right mm -hmm. that existed before cash will exist after cash exists now in the form of cash right but like what we're doing now is a transaction right and it's creating something of value that we will then in turn transact with other people by sharing it through digital spaces so that people can consume this and then they may transact it now all this is just a knowledge-based conversation right but People get charged for knowledge all the time. That's what schools are. Yeah. <laughs> People get paid to transact knowledge to oftentimes younger individuals, but not always, right? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I get I get kind of where you're where you're coming from on that. And I kind of went real far off on, 
<laughs> on one side of this, right? But but back onto the initial concept of like, yeah, when somebody hits $999,999,999.99, that, you know, just like in The Legend of Zelda, when Link would get too many, uh, you know, rupees piled up, that they would just start popping out yeah. uh, when you would try and pick up more. Yeah, there is a limit. You can't have any more rupees. We yeah. should do that. We should do that to billionaires. You can't have any more yeah. rupees. It's I'm my, sorry. It's my favorite meme on the internet. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we should, like, it doesn't, and they just sit on it like yeah. a dragon. They don't use it. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing, right? Because, and, and I was talking to somebody about this just a couple of days ago, that wealth does not equal economy, mm -hmm. right? Wealth is stagnant capital. And economy is moving capital. Right. And those are, again, two very different things. Now, stagnant capital in mass is power because simply the threat of use of capital is power. Right. But like the the flow of capital, the exchange of capital and the cycle of capital in and out and up and down and, you know, buy and exchange and work and goods and service and blah, 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 blah. Where am I going? I just talk so much in a circle that I just like <laughs> my 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 like my anger overrides my <laughs> um, uh, overrides my my actual like thought process here, uh, and I'm talking about the difference between uh, oh yeah yeah that like um, you know that's that's the democratization of uh, transactions, whereas again you know hoarding wealth forces people to transact with a single entity organization whatever it may be. Right. That's why vertical integration becomes a problem when you have companies that control, you know, entire supply chains from the initiation of natural capital to the sale of a refined product to an end consumer. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a 15, 25 step process that covers activity of thousands of people as things move across the globe. And I I'm just Oh, I'm making myself really angry right now about how we as a generation have been exploited yes. and dumped <laughs> on. Uh, and it's not to say that generations before us haven't been exploited themselves with these things because there are plenty of people who have been like burned by this system. But it's like, what's what's next? What the hell are we actually going to do that makes sense? Yeah, but I do think the difference between... And I don't know about Gen X. I'm not going to come at them. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think the difference between like baby boomers and millennials and Gen Z, I think millennials and Gen Z really will be like the generation that's like, look, we got exploited because they got exploited because they got exploited. Yeah. We're not going to do that to yeah. you guys. Yeah. We're, we're going to try to make this fair because we hated that. My, my worry on the other end of that is that simply the number of people doing the exploiting shrinks to a very consolidated number of very, very capable millennials and Gen Z folks who are like a Mark freaking Zuckerberg that, yeah. you know, now, now we're, we're talking about real vertical integration. Ha ha ha. There's only <laughs> one person who now rules the world. It's anyway. very possible. And um, I mean, I think, I think at Citizen United, sometimes I get my my case names mixed up let's talk about citizens united but that's the one that made uh, uh corporations, corporations people yeah yeah fuck citizens united <laughs> <laughs> like the idea that you can oh, just the, the corporations are not people no that's <laughs> just, just not number one number they're, they're one they're pieces they're pieces of paper that people have conceived in their mind i hate lobbying 
I, I really like it's ultimately that I just really don't like capitalism very yeah. much. But but like lobbying, Citizens United, those things are why we have people like Ted Cruz. Yeah. Or Josh Hawley or whatever yeah. his name is. Yeah, no, that's, Mitch that's McConnell. Yep. Uh these people who are like, look, I'm getting paid. And I don't really have that many morals, so I don't really care. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't care what you – like, on my podcast the other day, uh, I had uh, a friend of mine, and I was saying to him, if we had no morals, especially with how liberal we are and how much we've talked about this stuff, if we had no morals and we just flipped it and started talking super-duper, like, feel-good conservatively mm-hmm. about all of this stuff, like – We'd get paid like what's her name the the black conservative that's like oh Candace Owens that's there you her go. name yep she was discriminated against in like college or something like that and it was like a big deal and then all of a sudden she's working for like Ben Shapiro and talking about how race isn't a thing and it's like <laughs> I mean if you have no morals I'm sure you get paid very well yeah. for not having morals yeah it's weird how that works huh. <laughs> Money corrupts. No, it's like power corrupts. Absolutely. But money, if money is power, then money corrupts. Absolutely. Money. I think money corrupts. Absolutely. The church. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go on to something that's not that because I know that'll piss off a lot of your. your Oh, caught that left field fly ball, man. No. So this is. So let's let's kind of close out here. We just got a little bit more time. Um, This Mm -hmm. is this has been a really fun conversation, man. I've spent I've spent. Right. So like I was really rocking and rolling and then got COVID in January um, and then like came back and like the first run of this, like I had like 11, you know, did 11 podcasts that were, you know, political in nature, right? Platforming a bunch of people during uh, this local election because there's, the, you know, the normal interactions that could occur in public settings and the, and the face-to-face and the getting to know people just wasn't going to happen. So, like, this was a way to kind of bridge that gap. It just kind of made sense. Um, and so now I'm, like, getting back in the groove of having just regular conversations that, like, you know, I don't I don't have to go in and be like, OK, this is, you know, you should say this one thing about this one topic that we're here to. But also let's spend another 45 minutes exploring you like this. This has just been a nice, like earnest conversation about <laughs> whatever the hell interesting thing we wanted to talk about. And it turns out there's just a lot of interesting shit to talk about about law. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that, that you know, part, part of the underpinning of your podcast, but part of the underpinning of your podcast just being, you know, just general conversation and, and the and the, you know, back and forth of of, uh, you know, of argument and, and conversation. What are, what are some of the, some of the biggest hiccups that you've experienced in like launching and maintaining a podcast? Cause you're, you're at episode 50 now you said, right? Yeah. Somewhere. I think I might be like 49, yeah, maybe 51, yeah, but yeah. yeah. So, I mean, clearly schedule is yeah. like a huge, huge hiccup. Um, recently I've become a solo host of my podcast. I was a co-host, um, but my co-host uh, is having a baby. Like yeah. they, they have things going on. Uh, <laughs> so like we both like mutually were like, maybe you should step back because uh-huh. you're probably not going to have time. So scheduling was a huge one. Now, not as much. Um, 
audio quality because yeah. <laughs> I have like it's like a remote podcast, so yeah. I don't have anyone in the room with me. It's mainly just over Zoom. Yeah. Thank you for that Zoom information, by the way. Yeah, no, Maybe the sure. audio quality will. Well, improve. here's here's the here's the thing, man. I've been trying to figure out stuff for work for myself, right? And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up putting together some sort of media piece that connects with people statewide. And the like I I'm really trying to figure out what is the best because you there's a lot of give and take, right? Video quality, specifically for what I'm doing, video quality. At some point in time, possibly for what you're doing, video quality, video quality audio quality like the the actual compression and like your file outputs on the other side of it um you know just ease of use there's all these things that go into it from like a remote podcast standpoint like it's much more difficult than just that so i've been researching that a lot and happen to know like you can download those individual audio tracks from each person with a click of a button in zoom yeah and there's also like you know internet access for both people all oh, that yeah. stuff um what other problems have i had uh, I mean, maybe running out of something to say, but yeah. usually, like, I am diagnosed ADHD. So, like, <laughs> I, I, if I cling on something, it's gonna go that way, no matter if I want it to or not. Uh -huh. Um, so there have been episodes where we were talking, we were lamenting, in fact, targeted ads and how you can just say, like, Oh yeah, I, I need another coffee filter. And then all of a sudden Amazon is is showing you coffee filters. Facebook has ads for coffee filters. Your Google br browser has coffee filters on it's the bottom. It's terrifying. And you're like, where how did you get this information? Because it heard you say it. <laughs> yeah. It literally picked up your voice. And that's and like, insane. And we're and we're all just cool with it. <laughs> we're all just like letting it happen. Here's the man. I first noticed that six or seven years ago. I was on a road trip out with a buddy of mine. We were at the Hoover Dam, and we were talking about something. And the thing that I was talking about popped up on my phone screen like five minutes later. It was the first instance I'd ever had experiencing that. First time ever. And it was terrifying. It is. It is. And I think so we recently, uh, my girlfriend Savannah and I, switched over I like from how you keep saying my girlfriend Savannah and I, making sure <laughs> It's a well, good presentation. I don't, don't want to just we and then it, I mean that could be like some people saying. refer to themselves as we. That's weird. But so, <laughs> so we recently switched over from like Echoes uh -huh. to like the HomePod uh -huh. stuff. Um, I don't know if it's better or worse, but I know that I'm not getting ads about what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> so, so that's great news. But we in that episode we went from targeted ads to what utensil is best. Yeah. Uh, and so his was forks and mine was knives just because I think knives are more versatile. There are more knives than there are forks. I just, I don't want to rehash it, but I don't want to know what you think about that shit, Nathan. I just want to let you know. Okay. Well, okay. So what, what's your favorite? What, what is the most useful utensil you'd say? Shit, man. Like, are we talking strictly about eating or are we talking about, like, in general usefulness? So I was viewing it as, like, in general, mm -hmm. and I think he was viewing it as eating, and I think that's where we had issues. But we'll say in general for well, right and, and this is what happens, right, when you have a podcast with lawyers <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is that, like, you come up with these, like, 
you know, the, the underpinnings of, well, well, what's the context of it? Right. Mm -hmm. And then your argument revolves around that, um, which is cool and interesting. And like, how do you, how do you lawyerify eating utensils? But you guys managed to do it. We did. <laughs> we did. <laughs> well, he was like, if you want to be on a desert, if you're on a desert Island, which utensil are you picking? I was like a knife. Clearly. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to go around a <laughs> desert island being like, sure, I'm glad I got this fork. Exactly. <laughs> it just makes more sense. Yeah. And then he was like, well, what about in a home setting? And I was like, mm, I'm going to stick to my guns here and say night. <laughs> <laughs> just because I, like, I had to stick there at that point. But I think the, the beginning of our podcast, we were <clears throat> like hyper-focused on arguing. Uh-huh. And that led to like some of our arguments being like half-hearted or like multiple concessions. Um, and then we've moved, I've moved uh, more to like a conversation just, and if an argument comes up, it comes up. I know our first episode ever was on meatloaf because I will the singer argue- or the thing? The food. And you're like the third person who said that. Everyone else knows it's food. Because <laughs> meatloaf is your favorite food? I hate oh, meatloaf. Oh, it's the opposite of your favorite food. Oh, okay. my God. I hate meatloaf <laughs> so much. It is so disgusting. And everyone says, well, you haven't had the right meatloaf. And I'm like, you're wrong. I've had various meatloafs, and they've all sucked. Um, <laughs> but so that was the first one, and I'm pretty sure I – likened meatloaves to like satan in some way <laughs> I, don't <know>. but <laughs> I want a bumper sticker that just says i have had various meatloaves <laughs> i mean to me they suck like it's listen to the first but like the first episode of the podcast and you'll know all of my very real feelings on meatloaves. <laughs> but yeah no i think it's fun and i will definitely have you on and we'll argue about Something ridiculous, or we'll just have another conversation. Perfect. And uh, that'll do it for this conversation. Uh, episode 40 of the WTF Carbondale podcast. Uh, Michael Lennox, uh, you can find him on the internet with his own podcast, Tipping the Scales, that's, you know, like maybe on Apple or Google or something. Just find <laughs> it. And eventually I'll get my claws into him, and you'll be able to find it in a few more places because <laughs> everybody needs a little help sometimes. I wouldn't be here without the help of many other people pushing me this direction, and sometimes shit rolls downhill. So <laughs> that being said, have a good one, folks, whatever that one may be.